0: The most thing I can remember was a, a fireplace with brass, horse brasses on one side and a belt hung on the other side, and he used to put me across his knee and struck my back. I'm Ann Dibbon. and I'm Julie Tattersall. I'm Bev Evans, and this is Unexpected
1: Turns.": Hello and welcome. Today we will be talking to the indomitable Pat Rambani. She's had an incredible life journey, which she
0: shares with us. She was one of four children when she was just a toddler. Her father sadly died of TB, leaving her mum to work three jobs to support the family who had nothing. She was evacuated at just five years old and
1: left with only the clothes that she was wearing and her beloved Mickey Mouse gas mask. Her time as an evacuee was a terrible time, of which she never talked until
0: recently. Consequently, with the current situation in Ukraine, this
1: resonates with her very deeply. Thank you very much for coming and inviting me to your lovely home today. Oh, you're quite welcome, but I do feel a bit nervous. I can understand. Right then. And it's lovely to talk to you. You're going to be our most experienced guest on this show. Very nice. It makes me feel important. (laughs) You are extremely important. Yes. And I'm very excited to come. Yes. My dad wasn't evacuated during the war. But he lived through it. But he lived through it. He's a year older than you. Yes. Well, I've
0: always found, when I've heard the stories of the evacuees from down south, which is how once once you get past Coventry's down south... Um, (laughs) Uh, They were a little bit uh, better handled than we were. Right. Um, uh, They were going abroad, some of them, going to families, you know, abroad. Really? Yes, in Canada and places like that. And we were just going to anyone who would take us. Nobody was vetted. None of the hosts were ever vetted.
1: Right. Because now, with the people coming across from Ukraine, everybody's having to be better, are not they?
0: It stirs it all up and it's caused me quite a lot of an emotion just lately because even the people that are hosting the evacuees from, they don't realise they're getting somebody who has been very, very traumatised yeah. and they have a parent with them. Yeah. With the children, these you know, they're not on their own, they're either adults or children accompanied by the mother, which will make a difference, but it's double the emotion that they will be feeling. There's the wife that will have emotions for leaving her husband behind and the child who practically has left everything behind that's helped her mum.
1: Which was very difficult for you. <clears throat> So how did you come to be evacuated then?
0: Well, my mother was widowed uh, when I was one year old with five children to bring up. My father worked for the council. He worked uh, various jobs, but he was a council worker and got fairly good wage. He was a Catholic. It was a a different method to stop you having children. So she had five children very, very quickly some with, two, with only 18 months between them. And remember when she lost her husband was absolutely destitute. They could just manage when he was working. And there was no such thing as widow's pension then. No. Um, and she had to apply for sick leave, uh, from her father to get some money. And she got it, but it was a pittance. So we were already poorly when my dad had a tumour on the brain Aww. and tuberculosis. He was hospitalised. His death was quite quick. He died when I was one year old.
1: What? So you never knew your dad?
0: Never knew him. But I was told that when the coffin was brought into the house, remember we were Roman Catholics? Yeah. Um, and they'd brought for a week you always, and his coffin was opened and I did my first tipple tail for him okay. because I thought he was still alive he oh, was a great character loved his children and looked after his children and worked in the day and went out singing in pubs at night to earn an extra money. so he it, it was an attentive father but he died in an a sanatorium in Gills towards where uh, Abby and John are living yeah. now, uh, which was a long way from Bradford. My mum had great difficulty, and the bus used to stop short for her to visit and it deteriorated rapidly uh, and died in the sanatorium. And uh, by that time, my mother was absolutely destitute Super and she had to apply. There was no widow's pension and she had to apply to the council for sick pay but they considered that the certificate of death said tumour on the brain and pulmonary tuberculosis. So they own, if it was, if the doctor had put it the other way around mm-hmm. she would have got a, a decent pension from the council All but right. as it was she got a pittance, 27 shillings, one £1.70 to bring uh, five of herself, but herself as well. Uh, and so how old
1: were your brothers and sisters? Nick
0: was responsible for us. You know, he looked after us. Yeah. It was it would have been 12 in 1932. And then when he died, it went down even further. And so she had to go to what they call the family allowance. Uh, and she was given... The, the weekly rent was three shillings. It lacked, uh, added it all up that she got 27 shillings when she'd finished. So much for gas, so much for, that's how it went. And we would no shoes or anything. And we used to have to put cardboard soles in our shoes, because we would holes in them, you know. You were born
1: in 1934, and your dad died the following year in 1935.
0: My dad was taken ill in
1: 1932 and he died in 1935. Yes, yeah. yeah. And so there were the five of you, so Nick was the oldest. Yes. And then you had another sister and another brother. Jean. Jean, she was the next one. Yes,
0: and she was, I, I never really took to Jean. She was very, very bossy. And we ended up <laughs> marrying brothers. Right. She was, she's a Mrs. Brambainy as well, so we, Although I never really took to Jean because she was the one that kept us all in line and Nick did the best, but he was off to the Navy, you see. Um, and uh, she, had, she had a lot of work Did Jean to do, you know, there for us, like, you know, yeah. she was the cleaner of the house. My mother was out working. She, mother went out to work at 6 a.m. cleaning offices. She came home, looked after us, and this is why I thought we were evacuated because children weren't allowed to be left alone in the house when the war started. Right. But, no, my brother has put it. She actually applied for us to be evacuated, did my mother. And I've only just learnt that by reading this life story of my brother's that she'd applied, and that came as a shock and I bet it did. I thought that we, it was compulsory, but she didn't. She just could not manage anymore with the money because she was going off to work in the morning, cleaning offices. She came back and saw to us and got us uh, going. And she went, she went to work so in mail bags, yeah. um, she w- sacks and think that's how I came to have a sack when I was evacuated. Um, and all sorts of things like that. She sh- just said mail bags yeah. when she sh- then, and then at night she went in. So she was absent from the home for a long time, with Jean taking care of it and Nick, and Nick taking care. At the only place, the only where we got any play was pushing it, me up in a pram of Botley Road to go to Peel Park it's, and it says that we spent a lot of time on the swings and things like that and he was in the choir at uh, you know he was he was yeah. a Roman Catholic they're all, all was uh, they all were Christian Catholics but on all confirmed except me because the war in between yeah. I was Christened a Catholic, but never confirmed as a Catholic. So.
1: so there was Nick and there was Jean, and then?
0: i Nick, Jean, Sheila, which was the quiet one that married the officer of uh, RAF, and, and then Margaret. Margaret was senior by two years, four months. She died during COVID. So there's just me left now. So Nick lived until he was 92 and got the military to cross. It was in D-Day. Yes. And then he was on, uh, he was a gunner on a ship and he was in Tokyo Bay when they dropped upon on one of You know, but that's not important to you. You know, right. it was, it's important. But it's this bit here. My mother sought and obtained permission For me to be evacuated. Each of the girls, as my youngest sister had only just turned six, and it was thought that we would be at best that we would finish up in the same locality in the Bradford Council, not in the same house. In the same locality. We went to a place called Gilstead, which is just outside Bingley right yeah west yorkshire yes we didn't go far i think at the most it's about 10 or 15 miles all right. from home thing was we were all evacuated to very smart homes nick was no nick was evacuated again but only for a very short time he was not old enough to be not evacuated, not old enough to work. So he went out to work when he was thirteen. Okay. But I didn't know much about Nick because I wasn't evacuated with him. I was evacuated with my next sister, who was Margaret.
1: The same locality, but the, the
0: same lo- all same locality. But this was uh, the first time that he'd had sheets with no sheets. We'd only coats on the bed at home, no uh, a blanket and coats, and we all sat, slept head to tail in yeah. the home where we were. They? So there could have been, Nick never slept with us, so he had to kind of sep- have a bed separate somewhere, um, but we were all top to tail.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and I think our bodies kept us warm but Nick says here he got into a home where his son had just grown up and started work but um, he inherited all the boys clothes so it was the first time I've ever worn pyjamas let alone a dressing gown he says and it was first time I put my body in between sheets in bed So, on that note, I can remember, my memory now comes into play. I've always remembered going somewhere posh. Yeah. Where I would have said that, you know, if they've got sheets and things like that. So I was placed with Margaret into a posh place called Gilstead. And I miss my mum so much that I was naughty and I got, I must have stayed there a while and I can remember being, kicking the door and wanting to go home and
1: being naughty in this lovely home in Gilstead. So you were five when you were evacuated with Margaret to Gilstead.
0: I can remember being outside and standing outside somewhere we had all obviously gone a coach to Gilstead I can, and I th- thought it was a school and people come were coming to pick us up um, and they were complete strangers. So that's what sparked it off. Yeah. A little girl going with somebody um, and then suddenly finding a, a home it, I wasn't used to, you know, I was used to Tim bath in front of the fire, and they had a bathroom, and I flooded the bathroom eventually, <laughs> because I was. I can remember vividly that I was sat at the table, and it was kippers, for tea, and I had never think I'd jam and bread things like that, and uh, I can remember being told to go and wash my hands, and I went upstairs and I was crying and messing about and apparently I'd left the plug-in and the tap running and it had overflowed and uh, it dripped, dripped, dripped but I didn't get to eat my kippers Um, uh, but I think that was enough for the couple that were quite decent couple and they applied, sent us back, wanted to send me back. To the council, both you and Margaret, or me and Margaret. You and Margaret, and then we, that is when we ended up there. Can I have a look at I that picture. I put photo? it on there. I don't know, but Margaret had that picture in a son park part with it, so he sent me the photograph. And and she well, she loved Margaret and wanted to evacuate to a doctor. So this is the couple. This is Mrs. Ellis. I don't know whether there was a Mr Ellis or anything, but I can remember that she wanted to send me back to the council. Uh, You know, she'd stepped in to take me from Gilstead with Margaret as well. So Margaret had been at Gilstead with us. So this was our second posting. Mm -hmm. She took to Margaret, like, up to her water but she wanted to, she said I'm, I've got to send the little one back, can't cope with it. So I got sent back but Margaret stayed with there and right. then so the council sent me to one of my older sisters where my older sister was staying right. and it was Sheila the middle one
1: yeah. So you went to stay with Sheila in an mm. evacuation at somebody's, somebody's home, home,
0: in Bingley, which is next to Gilstead. Bingley and Gilstead. I went there to stay with Sheila, but when we got there, he was a drunkard. I prefer you not to say where I was right. because he was cruel and he was a drunkard and Sheila told me, yes, he used to come home and his wife used to put his wet bedding out of the bedroom window to dry because he used to pee the bed, he was so drunk. And he used to have, uh, the most thing I can remember was uh, a fireplace with horse brasses on one side and a belt hung on the other side. And he used to put me across his knee and strap me back. And of course, this was the beginning of all people not believing me, what I was saying. Because I used to think nobody believes me, what I say. Um, And I used to, and I I, I, I told my mum about it. And my mum could, they knew when my mum was coming because they laid transport on the Bradford Council. To take evacuees because there would no cars or anything no. like that. There was no bus bus services uh, to certain places, so they they knew when your mum was coming on the bus. And he never, I didn't know he must have spaced it, his beatings, because I I used to say no, he gives me the strap. I don't want. And remember, they used to cane children. Mm. And things like that then. So it wasn't unusual, a punishment for a child to have the strap. Um, and i she, lifting my clothes up. She I couldn't see any marks at all. She said, no, you're a kiddie. It's only to get back home. You know, you're only saying this to get back home. And so I stayed on with Sheila. Um,
1: Did she, was Sheila... And Sheila?
0: She no, she was a very good girl was Sheila. She was a very quiet, very caring. When I tell you she she knit me in the mittens in Linton Camp to try and keep me warm. And I'll tell you a bit more about Sheila later. She ended up going to Linton Camp with us but only for a short time. So and then my brother had gone home because he was thirteen. And he could work yes so my mother had got him a job in a mill and he was a grammar school boy one of the top boys in the grammar school and she got him a, in a job called a can donger in a woolen mill and what that means cans like a big oil barrels yes and they had to roll them around to different bits of machinery for the wool it was a wool mill for the right. wool to come out, how it got processed from off the sheep to being knitting wool, in other words. So, and it, it, it all went in cans to different machinery. So it was a can dodge, you're taking the cans back and forth to the, you know, in rotation.
1: So he never got to finish grammar school, he had to go no, to work. He writes about that. Yeah, bet he, he does. How devastated he I was. I can imagine.
0: Yes. Yeah. It, was, it went to St Bede's Grammar School in Bradford and the teachers pleaded with my mum not to let him leave, let him to stay. But she, like I said, she'd applied for us to be evacuated, uh, which kind of upset me because I hadn't realised, I thought no. it was compulsory. I didn't know that she'd done that, my mother had done that, you know, to my brother, because he was such a nice man. Such a nice man. Anyway, when they, I was in Maroo, with this man that used to drink, and then you know lose his temper, and I can remember tearing my dress at school and wishing I had a dolly's machine to to tear it up because I got strapped when I got
1: back. For tearing but
0: it. Nick had applied to the; he'd been a navy cadet and applied to go early into the Royal Navy and he was going, so she came and brought him, unexpected, to Cottinley, And she knew that there was something wrong with me and she saw the strap marks on my back. He never drew blood, but he used to, whelps, red welts on me back. Oh. So she took me home straight away. Good. Straight away, Good. and Sheila. Good. Took me home straight away and applied for me to go uh, elsewhere.
1: What exactly was Linton Camp?
0: It was a Linton Camp residential school for difficult children, I think. We all, Sheila, myself and Margaret, were all removed because, no, Margaret's the the one that was with the one that wanted to uh, uh, adopt her and she was refused, but she sent her back, you know, in, 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 in Jean, because Margaret complained that she was using her as a cleaner. So we all, all were brought back home good, and sent to Linton Camp. And what was that like? I can't complain about it because I feel they, they didn't teach us much. They weren't real qualified teachers. that taught us things like nature, we were in the country, right in the deep lovely, country, lovely. so it was nature, that um, they used to take us out for nature walks. There weren't proper schooling. Margaret became a girl yeah. at, at Linton Camp. Wow. And I haven't a complaint about it, except the food was very limited. We used to have to run from a dormitory across the path for showers that will walk through showers. And it was cold, and we'd only one blanket, and there were Nissan lying like with asbestos. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. So, and then I used to play mainly with the boys, I can remember. <laughs> uh, I can remember them putting me inside a tyre, you know, big tractor tyre, yes. oh, and wheeling me. Oh, gosh, Pat. Um, I loved it in a way, I, but I didn't realise that I had no complaints. But then Sheila told me that I was a firm favourite of of the headmaster, and I can remember go, going into the hospital because I had a boil, and they were kind, and it was nice. But we we couldn't, you couldn't get elastic for your knickers, and I could never keep them up. My brother came once, and I don't think my mother came much, um, but no formal teaching.
1: So when the war. Were ended, did you carry on at the school or what happened? Uh, well I
0: was it, at the age to go into secondary school and I couldn't spell and it, so then I went to across the, the school in England where my mother... In so the you beach, went
1: back home to your mum's? Yes but not
0: where we lived before because it was a slum and right. apps, they needed there was slum clearance and they built a, a housing estate in Bradford and we were the first tenants in in the place and it was called Canterbury uh, when I said where do you come from and I said it was thing I was thinking I lived in Canterbury you know <laughs> um, so I went to a school in Bradford uh, almost illiterate I but you do yourself
1: at, at Linton, I okay. do things I could do
0: things I love biology, and I don't know why, uh, but it could have been the nature lessons I had. Yeah,
1: definitely.
0: In, uh, at Linton Camp. I can remember, at Linton Camp they brought, they came up to me and said, your mum's at the school gate with your brother. And it was because he was being shipped today, it was going on DD. Wow. So it must have been getting a bit late because it, it did serve in D-Day. Yeah. Like, you know and they'd come to say goodbye. And when I got to him, it was up a slope, and he was st- they weren't allowed into the camp. Um, I couldn't keep my shoes on because they were completely worn out, and what uh, we, were, we relied on, uh, we all had an American pen friend when we were there. Anyway, I'll get off, but I'm going back off my story, but Nick was stood there, and he saw me, and my knickers were falling down as well. But oh. the talk, and the talkmate did the teachers eventually how to keep my knicker legs up because they were long direct runners yeah. then at those days. And he said, I can remember going, he had pockets in in his tunic, and he got some money. I said, Mum, for God's sake, will you go buy us some shoes? And I got some clogs sent. Sparking clogs, have you ever heard of them? No. Clogs uh, with irons on the bottom used to be. Oh, sparks. Awesome. you coming, but wouldn't they? <laughs> it was very popular then because I had a sparking clogs. Um, so that was the memory of my brother seeing that I got some shoes. And then um, when we came home, of course, I've I showed you that picture of it. Yeah with all the girls stood there Um, and of course we got some decent clothes but we only got decent clothes once a year at Whitsantide, we got Whitsantide clothes then. I went to school and and did quite well but not in things like spelling and uh, arithmetic, biology and uh, acting, I always wanted to be an actor. I can imagine you as an actress. You'll not, you'll be surprised at this. My sisters left all one by one. Um I'm, I left school and my sisters all went into sewing in a factory yeah. in Bradford. Yeah. sewing uh, overalls the maid. We all wore pinnies then, you yeah. well, I still wear a pinnie. Do you know what a I is? I do know what a yeah. is. <laughs> um We all wore pennies and uh, we had plenty in our house, I can tell you, with three saws. So they all went to a place called Slater's in Bradford, that was a sewing machine factory. Uh, But they didn't earn much, and all my thoughts was money. I wanted money when I got out and finished.
1: Well, well, you've been poor all your life, I can understand that, yes. I can't
0: remember ever having money in my my hand, ever. Even when we went out at Linton Camp, we went into the village and sometimes the villagers weren't right keen on having a camp there, you know. Some of them were quite low, but there was a tuck shop, but I never had any money to spend in the tuck shop. So um, I wanted money and I said to my mum, I'm coming into the mill with you. And I went into the mill and we worked um, from seven till five with half an hour, uh, a 15 minute break at night in the morning and half an hour's lunch. And Saturday morning was compulsory. Mm. So we had to work Saturday mornings, but it wasn't for long. But I was the first girl in the family to leave at 15. They all left at forty. Nick had left at
1: thirteen.
0: Yeah. And we started work. I don't but I don't know how my mum wandled it but she did, you know. So I worked with my mum and I got a re- quick promotion in the mill
1: to hard go wording.
0: on yeah, not to be a candonger, which was just nothing, was it? To go on the combing machines, and I have a a photograph of me sat on a combing machine. Wow. And I got, if you worked hard and you were alert all the time, you could, you usually looked after three or four machines. I got as if I could have more money and I looked after six machines, but I got a remand because I used to watch my machines and read forever, Amber. (laughs) which was a very racy book. I'll have to look it up. And, you know, it was sexy. And it was, (laughs) you know, it was a famous book then. And I had this Forever Amber, and I was sat with the machines lined up, and I used to read it like this, so nobody knew me. But then I'd get really interested in it. And I nearly got, I got warned about it. So I had to leave Forever Amber alone. But then I thought, I can do better than this, than this, I'm sure. So I worked for them for about a year. And the first thing I bought was a bike with my money. Oh. Because uh, I wanted to, you know, have wheels. And that.
1: So that was the start of the cycling legacy in the family, wasn't it? And
0: the start and the end, I must say. <laughs> because I never go any further than about 10 miles. Okay. <laughs> I have a photograph of me on my book. On my back as well, and then I saw in paper a advert that Marks and Spencer's put in uh, that wanted staff in Marks and Spencer's in Bradford. Please apply in writing. All right. So I thought I can't write. I don't know how to. I'm not. I can't write the letter. In the before that, I joined the Girl Guides, and that. Girl Guide organisation made me see
1: life in a different way. Oh, how so?
0: I could do better.
1: So that's why you wanted to leave the mill.
0: I did well in guides. I was looked on as if I was a person instead of a way female. I could do better for myself.
1: So that's the first time. So when you joined Girl Guides, that's the first time you felt like you were looked up to and admired. Somebody
0: wanted to help me. Somebody w- would say I was good. Somebody, they were wonderful with me. We both, me and my friend down the street, we both joined. To, and our biggest worry was putting handkerchiefs in the top pockets because they didn't want the bus to look big. <laughs> so off we went to Girl Guides after, when I'd seen this advert, and I thought, I'll go to the library and see if I can get a book on how to write a letter. So I got this book and it did, it told me, apply in writing, it said, you know, there were nothing Mm -hmm. else. Um, And I got the job and Marks and Spencers were the second biggest influence in my life. The Girl Guides were the first. The book made me feel valued. I was a valued member. And Marks and Spencers, simply brilliant. It was a wonderful and, and sweets were still on Russian, you can tell. And they the shop opposite Marks and Spencer's and when I, and sweets were coming off Russian and of course you just start early. and I thought when I come home I'm going to get in there and get some sweets. When I come come out, Martin, when I come out bloody empty. <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't a jar, wasn't a a there were piles of jars and jars and whatnot
1: when I went in and it's What was it about Marks and Sparks then that was? Well,
0: first of all, I can remember most, a big mirror upstairs in a staff room, and it said, are you fit for the sales floor? And you were valued because the, the manager used to come round. There were tills on every counter, and the manager used to come round and see why your sales were going up and he'd talk to you and he would question you about the manufacturers and why does this sell more more better than anything else and I was on corsetry and of course it's not what you would think would it that it would inspire you but I knew I, I made it my job to do it properly yeah and also
1: As a girl whose knickers couldn't stay up, to know about corsets, did
0: nothing couldn't even write a letter properly.
1: No,
0: and and they even sent me to the dentist the first time. Look at the teeth, and they looked after you medically, as well, and gave you uniforms that you look so smart in. And I started on biscuits, but then I got promoted to carpentry. And the manager used to come round. Quite a nice man, but he was very fussy. Because all the time he was going and straightening packages up. Because if you took a bra out of the packet, it had to go back in. Um, and one thing, then They'd be just round, round like that. Now then, what's this? And what, how? What? What manufacturer is it? Why does this sell more than that? And what? And all questions like that, you know. And, I knew the answers because I, yeah, I knew the manufacturers yeah. from the number on the ticket on the bra Because you that. paid attention. And I got to be supervisor. Congratulations. And when I was the supervisor, they trained me on window dressing. I had a, a, some time in as window dressing and one thing and another. And I, I really loved it. I'd
1: met Peter then. Well, you met Peter while you were at Marks and Spencer's? Yes. How did you meet Peter then? Yeah, well.
0: My sister was going out with his brother. Um, so I never took any notice. And then my sister decided uh, after t- two or three years, uh, two years, something, she was going to marry, the uh, called him Bram, uh, but he was near and was Ernest really, but Bram Bainey, It was always Bram. Uh, she'd marry Bram. And you're not going to be my bridesmaid. You know, I don't want you near me as a bridesmaid. So I never, I didn't know anything about a courtship or anything. I knew that he rode a bike and I knew that they were in the Jack and Jill club and they all went out on the bikes, pedal bikes, yes. one thing another. Uh, and I didn't know about Peter, I didn't know anything about the family at all. And then it came to the wedding and no, shall we get married on Boxing Day? Well, I just bought. And you look cold, because I was at Marks and Spencers and I was getting a good a good wage. I went to the church very reluctantly on what Boxing Day, because I wanted to be out with my friends, you see. <laughs> Not, because I'd started thinking about boys by then. Not um, with Jean to get married, you know, because she was always the dominant one. In other words, you could nearly say like a mother, you know. So I went, I went to, to the mass and I didn't see Peter and then, but he was a groomsman. But what happened is he trapped his finger in the door of the car, of one of the cars when he was in, and had to be rushed up to the infirmary. So I'd never seen him. Uh, you know, I didn't see Peter and the next thing I knew she was having babies and one thing the And in the meantime, my brother had been, got married as well and uh, he'd got uh, was having his wife's 21st birthday party in a pub and peter was there and uh, uh, we talked and one thing another but not much can't remember what it was but the thing that what what i do remember he said do you want to lift home so i said when i when the party was finished i said why because I, you were a cyclist you know he said, Oh i've got a motorbike outside well, that was just what I was waiting for, Sunday with wheels, you know, to take me <laughs> So I says, oh, yeah, I'll have a lift. We're only, uh, like, just not far from going down, back down to Two, you know, I'd have a lift. Up. And then he says, oh, I'll, uh, I'll take you to Dale's if you want. And it just went from there and then all of a sudden my mother said, Pat, you're going to have to find a house. I'm leaving you. You're, li- I, you're having to leave this house, I'm leaving this house, I'm going to live with your brother. And uh, I was 20 then. And I said, well, said to Peter when I was seeing him off and I I don't know what I'm going to do. He says, well, she's 21st coming up, how about getting engaged? Ah, Just like that. Gosh. And we'd never been... Not really kissed or anything, very well. Really? No, but we got on very, Amazing. very well. Amazing! Very well. And he got a bong mini car, a three-wheeler bong mini car, just after that. Um, three-wheeler bong mini car? Uh, oh, gosh. So he <laughs> could go out in Dales and canoodle with me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's how I met him, not through my sister. No.
1: Nice. And she
0: had two children then. When he said, would you like an engagement ring? Well, we were married within four months. God. Um, straight, nearly straight away to get into the house. And I took my mother's, lot of my mother's furniture. But it was a back-to-back, no bathroom. Going back to what I used to when I was child. But we altered it. And I lived in there for 12 years with no children. But this is what made me leave Mount and Spencer's. So I said, I said... Oh, they want me to go to Baker Street to train as a carcentry buyer. Um, I got, I'd been super, been selected as supervisor, supervisor yeah. before, And one thing or another, and I was full of it. You know. He said, well, it's either me or Baker Street. <laughs> you either stay here or you, I'm finishing, you know. This was before, my mother said, have got this, you know. And it was four months before we got married.
1: Yes, and he carried on working as a butcher?
0: As a butcher, and she left him. And the biggest thing that happened after that was she died. She was German, was the owner. Right. And she died. She was always Austrian to everybody. And uh, she left him some money. And it just put us, no debt. A car yeah. paid for. We'll have a caravan. And when I got a caravan, we went and decided to put it on a campsite called Markin- in Markington, in near Ripon. And there were millionaires with those people. And his, his mother and father owned part of, of Black- blackpool, a place of beach, and sold it. it there were Jim and Ishbel. they were a bit older than us. She was Scottish. Yeah. And we just got on, she had, and we, were, we started going on holiday together, and we, I did all the organizing because there was no travel agents then, you see. Right. And uh, we went to um, Mallorca when they were to, uh, only one hotel on nova
1: So what year uh, would that have been? We married in 55.
0: Uh, we started going abroad mm-hmm. about 58 With the caravan first, and then Jim and Esbel asked us to go with them. Uh, We went to Italy, where Peter was, uh, his his ancestors came, with the caravan that you had to put on a train to go through the tunnel, uh, through the Dolomites and things like that. And one thing that put me on a good road, Peter bought me a Vespa. (gasps) How did you go on that
1: Vespa? Well, that was some adventure. I can't say I did it brilliantly. I slowed up a lot of French drivers. You got there? I got there. And Peter, in this back-to-back, Peter used to bring the bloody
0: Vespa inside to do the front. But we were no children, you see. I was going to say... 12 years before we had Lisa. 12, 13 you,
1: And you left Marks and Sparks?
0: I left, I left, reluctantly left Marks and Spencers to stay, not that I kind of loved him, but I loved the life of going out on the bike, on the motorbike, you know, and meeting all his friends and things like that. We hadn't started caravanning then, you know, or anything. So I I left Marks and Spencers and got a job at Bear televisions, making televisions. I just flew ahead in that and I got to be a supervisor of 60 girls on a production line. And I worked for them for 12 years until I started with with Lisa. Right. And I was, I really, you know, I could sack you know, and I was in charge, like, you know, but they employed thousands. I got a really good wage. And all this coincided with Mary, with the money that Ma- Marie left us, you know. And me suddenly getting more wage than what Peter was getting when I was at bed television.
1: All right.
0: Yeah, so really, I left Marks and Spencer's
1: reluctantly. Um, but you got better paid. Pay, and you were still highly thought of, so you but still about but good I yet. didn't I had to work
0: my way up.
1: Oh definitely. I I had to go as a
0: solderer, soldering panels and things like that, you know. I had to work my way up in, in bare television but I did. I worked for twelve years for him. And then I when... went on monthly salary, which is you could hardly believe it, you know. And it was great because I could save up, and then also Peter became manager and at that time, when you were a shopkeeper, you looked after the greengrocer and the greengrocer looked after him so Winor because so, he peter was back. he had
1: the butchers, didn't he Pardon? he had the he was at the butchers, wasn't he peter
0: all the time, yeah. yeah. And he just got to be the owner, you see. Yeah. Well, he had partners as well, you know. But um, it was the beginning was married, dying and leaving him with his money. And then we got the caravan, so to, it took us into the life of Jim and Isabel, which we went two, two days a week to the caravan. And it didn't matter about us living in back to back, although I'd had it all modernised, we weren't interested in getting another house no. until I decided I'd had enough of the high liquid drinking till two o'clock in the morning and things like that in Markington and I said it's time we settled down and we got all this plot we came up but it was in the chapel.
1: This it? plot? Yeah. So you move from your back to back? Back to back, yeah to this lovely plot here, yeah. you bought the plot of land and you built the house. Yeah, 4,000 pounds, it
0: bought In
1: 1966,
0: I was in hospital pregnant with Lisa.
1: You got this caravan and then you bought this plot of land and you had Lisa. And we, went... had, we bought one or two caravans while we were
0: there. You know, we had a little bluebird first and we had we'd a lovely metropolitan car. Now, I don't know whether you've noticed, and I keep saying I have a photograph somewhere. I know. I bet you do. I um, know what I say. Going to say again, but this is something that I feel I have to prove. These things, and people won't believe me because I've been so lucky, been so lucky. What just meet it? It was Marks and Spencers and Girl Guides, and that's the beginning of it all. My luck, so well. And I feel as if I can't can't believe it myself, you know. I was sitting in Tito's, that it's a nightclub, overlooking a Palma a Palmer, no, uh, Palmer Harbour in 1959. I, in, I mean, you just nobody went abroad. There were no travellers. No. There were only telescopes. No. Yeah. And it was incredible. And the magician picked on Peter to take his wristwatch. And he, <laughs> Peter didn't even know. Oh, he was such a nice bloke with Peter. Peter, but the other thing is, you know, like I said, I met uh, the Girl Guides, then Marks and then Peter. I never really fell in love with him. But it was just, I always wanted somebody taller.
1: He was your man and you were? Well, I don't know.
0: I just, he was just such a lovely man. He we was different to his brother. But I can't find anybody that didn't love him, that didn't say what a lovely man he was. he helped help anybody, you know, he was just absolutely lovely. And it always came back his way. You know, if he, like, somebody gave me a lift up from Piggy about three weeks ago. And I was struggling a bit because I'd been gardening which I still like to do down there. And I'd taken this had this off and I'd stopped just outside Lisa and I took this off and they dropped on the floor and a walking stick and lead and one thing and another. And a woman just pulled up on my car and just she said, You you look as a bit exhausted, Love. And I was She said, Can I give you a lift? Never seen her in my life before. So I said, She said, I'm going left at the crossroads here, just up there. I said, Yes, I live on the fourth house coming, going on. I'd be obliged if you'd give me a lift. And she came round and she said, And she opened the door for me, and now we're we're going to get on. She said, Oh, by the way, I'm so and so, you know, Sandra or whatever name, I'd forgotten what she said. Oh, and I'm Pat (laughs) Brambaney. did you know peter brambini that just i said yeah but my husband oh i'll never forget this is only three weeks ago gosh and he's been dead 30 years yeah she said i'll never forget him she said my my father had just had a wedding for my, my, my other sister and got into debt for the wedding reception and he told me that he couldn't afford my wedding reception so I had to find Miss so she said I knew the butcher shop, so I went in and I asked I asked for for Mr. Brambaney, somebody told me to ask for him. She said he came walking through, she said I ordered a big, big joint of pork like that. He, he roasted everything, did Peter's big ovens, and a big joint of beef and a boiled ham like that, she says and he, he, he took the order. And she said, when I went for him, he'd sliced them all, put them on, her, on fancy dishes for me. She said, and he hardly charged me anything and gave me a note to go to New Ball's to get all the bread free.
1: Nice. She said and I didn't even
0: work for him. Gosh. She said he was, and that, it, that was Peter all over. Always giving somebody to something, you nice. know, just helping. Helping people. So that was 30, 30 years.
1: 30 years ago and so she'd remember that. Yeah. Oh gosh. Well, Pat, you've, I'm glad that you've had all these good influences because you certainly had a rough start to her. Yeah, I've had a
0: very mixed life.
1: Very mixed life.
0: Yeah. From from meeting cruel people and ending up with them. And Jim and Ishbel were so... That were the caravan owners, and what you don't know is we had a, a, a lot of friends that were gay, and it was illegal.
1: Yeah,
0: it was being at that time. And they, we went out, we used to go out drinking with them. When the pub shut, when Jim's pub shut, we were all piled into two a couple of cars and went out for a few drinks elsewhere. We got really friendly with. One that we gave up, they had a jeweller's shop in Harrogate, and the stuff he gave me, jewellery he gave me, you won't believe. it. He gave me pearls, he gave me diamonds. A really lovely man. You know, he used to put them in little fancy containers and just leave them on the path for me. Oh, me and Ishbel, used to give Ishbel as well, because you see, we were. We were such good friends but not, we didn't need this, uh, we didn't make inquiries as to what he was doing and one of the men, one of the men he went around with was on stage with George Fornby, don't know whether he was i I heard of George Fornby, yeah. yeah. And um, he was an actor, you know, he was in the
1: entertainment business. So it was a really lovely life that I lived. Ah. Well, I've loved I've loved talking to you and hearing about you, your best I'll show bits. You elves now, so. Definitely, I will stop recording this. Thank you very very much. It was an absolute pleasure to spend the afternoon with Pat at her home in Yorkshire, and I felt really honoured that she shared her story with us. Next week, we talk to the very glamorous Jane James. I can remember working with Jane. She was always the life and soul of the party, chatty, outgoing, and always beautifully groomed. But then she changed, becoming anxious and withdrawn. But determined to find out what was going on, Jane sought help and is now helping and advising others. Hear her story in our next episode. Thank you for listening. Take care.